Hello, this is Orson Welles, and you're listening to two incoherent idiots babbling about the pop culture media that they've missed and have now decided to ingest. This is Tardy to the Party with Bill Mudrin, an incoherent, shrill, rambling lunatic, and Daniel Rudis, a person I can only describe as absolutely insane. And without further ado, I welcome you to the greatest show of all time, Tarty to the Party. Woo! Start the music. Yeah! Which is funny because I actually have Orson Welles' physique. <laughs> oh, you mean old Orson Welles? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Unicron. Uh... <laughs> oh, uni- we're at Unicron levels. Okay. Uh, but you have the voice, so if we ever appear in public, we could actually kind of mm. do like an old Orson Welles routine. Like I could just pop, you know, just like speak and I just come. Perfect. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. We're going to record two uh, Orson Welles themed episodes back today to back. that we will be released separately. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, my experience with the Magnificent Ambersons. Mm-hmm. And this was also my first time seeing it. And uh, if anybody else hasn't seen it out there, good luck finding it because it's nigh impossible That's to get your hands on thing. it. That's the first thing, yeah. Like so I hope you're oh, ready God. to listen to two people talk about a movie you've probably never seen. Realize won't ever this see. is a terrible excuse for the like <laughs> material for the podcast because no one else is going to be able to watch. This. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do more like because at least you're going to follow this legitimate. Up with, well, yeah, not legitimate. You're more easily talk about Citizen Kane. Yeah easier oh, accessible things in the future but don't worry <laughs> this will be entertaining enough i should just upload the movie to a dropbox and just yeah. include the, dro- we'll, the link we'll to the dropbox in the show notes we'll have enough entertaining stuff to say about this hopefully to, oh no i took a lot of notes on this you took a lot movie. of notes yeah it's not a good movie no so so, no, so I okay wait wait, wait 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 no, no 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 let's start off the way we normally do or we are going to try to normally do oh, um, man. what did you know about this movie before you Got into. It. I had heard about this movie. Uh, actually, just in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of people claim that Magnificent Ambersons is better than Citizen Kane, and I had no idea what it was. Uh, especially, I think in the last couple of years, there seems to be kind of a movement with a lot of film critics to try to shove Citizen Kane out of the number one spot uh, as the you know the, the best movie of all time. Uh, which that's what it's that that that's what its claim to fame has been ever since I was a little kid. Uh, was that was like Citizen Kane? Nothing's as good as Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, best movie of all time. And well, I guess it kind of makes sense with the rise of the internet and everything becoming more multicultural and stuff. Uh, a movie about a rich white American guy who's just a fucking asshole. I could see why there might be kind of a push. Like, let's try. Let's say it's Tokyo Story instead. Let's say it's Vertigo or something like that. But people have even suggested within Wells' own canon that his second film, his follow-up to Citizen Kane, is actually a better film than Citizen Kane. Those people are fucking crazy. (laughs) The funny thing is, too, I have a terrible memory. Mm -hmm. And I could have sworn that you, Daniel Rudis, was the one who was telling me about how bad this movie was. Was not. And how insufferable. Not necessarily that the whole movie itself is terrible, but the main character is atrocious and kind of ruins anyone's potential enjoyment of the film. Yeah, you've told me that three times now, and I'm really wondering. I think it's Mike Russell. Who it was that told you that. Because you guys are both smart guys, and I just. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You guys both know a lot about movies and stuff like that. I think Mike Russell, he's the one who had seen this movie before, and he was like, oh, good luck with that because you're going to fucking hate this movie. (laughs) So, yeah, so this is actually. I'm, I'm, I'm a little. 
ahead of the game here because I have seen Citizen Kane, which you hadn't, but you had not seen either of the movies that we're Correct. talking about today. Yeah. Uh, not that we're going to... We're, uh, technically, we're recording two episodes, but you won't be hearing about Citizen Kane next week because we're going to be uploading that separately because we're only... Doing Our it. anticipation. I know, but exactly. It's going to be like a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Magnificent Ambersons is about... We should just start with what it's about because so few people have heard about it, much less have actually seen it. Um, it's based off a book written by some guy who has like a... Oh, I have the name. Uh, Books Tarkington? Booth Tarkington? Yeah, Booth Tarkington sounds right. It sounds like a Simpsons or like a Futurama character or like a, a Mr. Yeah. Science Theater. Like, Booth um, Tarkington. Not that that's important or anything like that, but it's about a rich family around turn of the century Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. This uh, And the movie came out in 1942. Yeah, so I guess in the past, like, yeah, when, when the movie was made, this was a story. It was right like, after Pearl Harbor came, was this movie was released. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. We'll get more into see, that. As, well, well I can see on. from a social perspective, this movie being about rich people and this kind of like faded past, the movie would even be more kind of outdated and kind of like in a, in a world where the world had literally just broken out. Well, no, I mean, America just entered the war, so I could see like yeah. that movie even playing less well than even usual. Well, That's, we'll get into that. That but, was the political climate uh, which this movie came yes, out. Yes, the movie is about. Uh, so, yeah, so it's about a rich family in 19, yeah, like 1905. Um,. Indianapolis, the main character. Oh God! So okay, the story is a little complicated. So okay, turns out the movie starts off. And the main course of the movie takes place in like 1900s, turn of the century. The movie starts off in a flashback about 30 years earlier. It's like 1870s Indianapolis. Uh, there's a super rich family called the Ambersons. Whenever they never explain exactly why the family is rich or where they came from or whatever, but they're, they're just the biggest richest family in, in Indianapolis. And um, they have one daughter who falls in love with a kind of a schmucky poor guy uh, played by Joseph Cotton, who is one of my favorite actors from Citizen Kane. I guess Orson Welles uh, coming out of the Mercury Radio Theater mm-hmm. uh, troupe that he had that who also they did the Citizen uh, the, the War of the Wells uh, War of the Wells War of the World uh, radio play that made him famous. Um, he still kept on using all those actors as he moved into film, and so a lot of those actors, those uh, radio actors he used in Citizen Kane, and then he used a lot of those actors for uh, The Magnificent Ambersons, too. Anyway, um, the daughter of the Amberson family, she falls in love with Joseph Cotton, who's, you know, part of uh, Wells' retinue. And, yeah, Joseph Cotton plays this really sweet, really funny, well-meaning guy who's super poor, and he's courting her and he fucks it all up and so she ends up choosing to marry a far less interesting but rich guy who's you know like on her social standing and so the movie warps ahead a couple years shows that like this this rich lady and this kind of like milk toast not interesting guy have a kid this little kid ends up becoming the main character of the movie this kid's a fucking terror they show him as a little kid. He's, like, got the blonde hair and, like, fucking, now, like, the big hat. He kind of looks like Buster Brown, but kind of evil. He now, kinda... did you notice, I'm just not to get, before we get out of his little kid mode, you remember the episode of The Simpsons. Oh, you where, see. Where Mr. Bur- it's the it's the casino episode where Mr. Burns is talking about his time on the boardwalk as he, him and Quimby are walking along the boardwalk. Yeah. And he has a flashback to him on bumper cars. <laughs> And he's got a big lolly. Yeah, and yeah, he, exactly, he runs yeah. over the Irishman, and he spends like five <laughs> minutes exactly laughing about what it. it. Looks like yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that outfit he's wearing is based on this because it looks like because it's the hat. Yeah, with, like, and the with the little, little tassel and the and curls. the ringlet curls and stuff. Yeah, and like the little like like. So the, oh, I didn't realize there's our that. first Simpsons. Wrestling. Does he dress? The, is Mr. Burns dressed the same way? Got, I'm pretty sure he's got like the floppy. Also, hat when and he stuff. loses his teddy bear. 
Because, like, well, he's no, a kid the, then. No, that, that, I don't think that is from that. I think that's from Then again, Mr. Burns has had so many old-timey childhoods and stuff like that, but yeah. this is totally of that. Exactly. Yeah, like, kind of the Buster like, Brown. What like... was he laughing about? <laughs> oh, yes, the crippled Irishman. Um, <laughs> so this is, this kid is essentially baby Mr. Burns. He's yeah. a rich, awful fucking twerp. Yeah. Uh, and the best thing is, even as when this kid's, like, 10 years old, the rest of the fucking city wants to fucking kill him. Because all he does is run around, beat people up, get into fights, yell and scream at people, and he uses the the fact that his family's rich to say, hey, fuck you, you can't do anything, you can't touch me, we're all better than you yeah, kiss my ass. And so the kid eventually grows up and comes back, he goes off to college and everything like that, he comes back to town, and he falls in love, ironically enough, with the daughter of Joseph Cotton, the poor guy from the beginning of the movie, who has since gone on to become rich. Uh, he's become an inventor who's helped invent uh, cars in general. And especially, he's, like, developed his own line of automobiles. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's actually become a rich guy. And he's actually now is on the social standing as the as as the Amberson family, who's, you know, he was in love with the daughter with at the beginning of the film. And so he, the rich little asshole kid from the Amberson family is now trying to uh, lure... He's trying to woo the daughter of the nice guy, of the nice poor guy who is no longer poor. And so it's it's weird, too, because you've essentially got two generational stories going on at the same time because you've got the uh, older generation because um, you've got the you've got the, the lady, rich lady at the beginning who's now older, and you've got, uh, you know, her husband who's kind of like not really a character in the movie that's kind he's of a got like one scene. Yeah, he kind of shows up and he's like, oh, I He stands in the be... doorway and is like... George, yeah. you be nice, and then you, he dies. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Like, he dies well, five minutes was, later. That was well, that's one of the things about this movie is like kind of like characters who you think would still be like a part of the story just aren't kind of there just because they're not narratively important, I guess. But still, it's kind of yeah. like, and so yeah, you got the the, the essential the parental love triangle. Then you got the kids kind of like flirting with each other with each other too. Well, let's let's stop and, there and 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 dissect where with what we've gotten so far. Oh God, this movie's kind of confusing. Well, yeah, but we'll we'll go through. Not confusing. If you watch it, it <laughs> makes yeah, sense. It's not confusing, but it's so but it's... boring. We'll watch it. I had to watch this twice because <laughs> the first time it just like washed over me just because it was so. It's just like a boring period film. <laughs> I did like at the very beginning. Of it, it, I, was, I love Little Women. It's not like everything has to be transformed. Oh yeah, well, no, for no, me. no. Yeah, um, no. There's there's certain aspects that I've I, jerked I do off like... to shit like this before, <laughs> and even for me, I'm like, oh my god, well, so, what's happening? I like the beginning when Orson Welles is talking about the like fashion. Yeah. Fashion changes, like fashion tip from Orson Welles. Yeah. Oh, that part was good. Well, that's that's one of the best part of the movie. Well, I, I saw I saw that like at the very start, like oh, I forget what it's called, like a boot horn or something. Somebody shoves the boot their boot jack. The boot jack. I was yeah. like, I want one of He's those. He's all like, everyone still has their boot. Everyone jacks. still has a boot jack in their home. And, and you it, get to see what it is. It's a plank of wood that you yeah. kick your heels in, and that's and how you suck off your, yeah. your boots when you come. I was home. like, I could have used that thing dozens of times in my life. It's like life. an anti shoe horn. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Even oh. these days, yeah, like, well, I guess the shoe jack is kind of weird. But yeah, uh, well, it, it's, it's great, too, because that whole montage about fashion and stuff, well, it's an introduction to that time and place. But it's also great because it's also an introduction to Joseph Cotton, who should be the main character. He's the nicest character in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but it shows him he's trying to, even though he's poor at the time, he's trying to fit in with the rich people because he's trying to woo the rich daughter of the Amberson family. And you get to see him, like, he's trying to engage in all these rich behaviors and fashions that, Orson Welles is talking about was the fashion at that time. He crushed his cello. He crushed his cello. 
that? I guess it's made out of balsa wood? Apparently. <laughs> he fucked up. Well, that's kind of the thing they kind of make fun of him throughout the rest of the movie. Like, when he went to go woo the lady, he went to go play at the serenade. He went to go play music beneath her window, and he fell on his fucking instrument and crushed it. And yeah. that's kind of, yeah. And it's kind of sad later because people are like, they kind of tease him when he comes back to town. Now he's rich because he's helped invent cars. Uh, they're all like, oh, if only you hadn't fucked up back then, huh? And he's like, oh, yeah, that would have been nice if I hadn't fucked up. But, hey, at least I made my super cool daughter who now this fucking asshole George guy is in love <laughs> okay, with. Okay, so, so they – the kid is a shithole, and he basically terrorizes yeah, the town. Now the rich – essentially wait, the rich wait, wait, grandson wait. of the Amberson. Yeah and, yeah, and then there's a scene of three old – old man standing around going, when he goes off to college, he's sure to get a rude wake They're gonna knock the stuffing out of yeah, him. Yeah, and then it cuts to him running through the town whipping people. Yeah, it comes back, he's still got his stuffing. He's, he's still yeah. an asshole. Yeah. So they throw a party for him yeah, we'll to welcome him back. Um, uh. And I like the way that, that it seems like Orson Welles likes to show people aging by just shoving a mustache on their face. Yeah, exactly. Because that's <laughs> actually not a thing about that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right. Well, well I it's guess... weird to the actresses, too, because they show up in that. Yeah. Like, they've got like a full burnt right. That was weird, but yeah, I guess, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, well, there. that's the thing. So, yeah, like I said, Flash Wars, well, especially because, like, yeah, it's, it's 30 years after the movie has begun, and so everyone's like, well, the main character, Joseph Cotton. Well, not the main character. I wish he was the main character. Yeah, the... Now he's got a little distinguished mustache, and he's yeah. got a little tail and tucks, because now he is. Right. But now we can't uh, fit it. the the character that you will hear us spitting our vitriol is either George or Georgie. Georgie. So when you hear Georgie, Georgie. Oh, I would have loved to hear. Georgie. I'll float <laughs> down here, Georgie, Georgie, and just see him have his arms moving on your teeth. Yeah. I'll float. <laughs> but like, uh. yeah. So Georgie Amberson, he's a motherfucker. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm trying to. Yeah, I know. You're I'm trying, trying to, to talk you. through the movie. Yeah. So they throw a party, and he meets this pretty young thing named Lucy at the party, mm-hmm. and starts walking around with her. And guys are saying, "Hello, Lucy," and he's acting like a jealous fuck already, being like, "Well, these guys sure seem familiar with you. How yeah. do they know their name?" And he's it's literally like, just met her. You just say, like, met at her. The party. Like, why are you acting like you own her already? And I've been all like, oh, oh my god. And I, I saw one guy on YouTube who reviewed this. I was trying to find like facts and stuff for it, and oh, he man. was like, "This actor does a good." job of making you hate Georgie over time. And I'm like, I didn't hate Georgie over time. I hated him well, immediately. Process. Well, the actor's actually good. because no, he, he, he was hired to play a, a fucking young shithead. Yeah, he, he does, does a great a, job. He does a great job well, of playing an it's, asshole. It's really weird because like, this movie is, is fucked up and stupid and annoying by design. It's not like it's poorly made. It's just they, they specifically sat down and chose okay, how can we make the biggest downer most aggravating movie possible by having the most aggravating main character possible? Yeah. Unsympathetic. Because there are plenty of movies and stuff out there where you have a hero who's a total asshole and destroys himself and destroys everyone around him, but at least there's kind of a journey of that character being yeah. sympathetic. Like, fucking Breaking Bad is all about this, but at least Walter White's uh, a sympathetic character. Being, this guy's the first time he shows up, I'm surprised you're not, he's not just stabbing a fucking kitten. Well, no, I wrote that down. I said, I feel like every time Georgie isn't on screen, he's off torturing a puppy. It's yeah, his shadow looms large a, over the rest of this film. Sofa. Yeah, it's legit. Like I wrote show notes down too. Uh, it's a it's a legitimately a miserable movie. Yeah, and 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 in a way that seems intentional, which is so weird. And mm-hmm. it's like I said, especially with this movie finally coming out and at the very beginning of World War Two. Now, man, who the fuck wanted to well, see this? We'll, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, oh my! Did you know- think at the party though is when he's. Um, He's all like, "Why do you keep on smelling those flowers that like like you've been smelling throughout the whole party?" And she's like, "Oh, he gave them to me." And she points to her dad, and he doesn't realize that 
It's your yeah, dad. He calls her Joseph Cotton. Keeps calling him a queer, queer uh, duck, queer, queer looking, looking duck. duck. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, oh I didn't you're know he was your dad." I'm just kind of like, God, fuck this guy. <laughs> fuck this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice? Did Georgie kind of looks like if Joseph Gordon-Levitt melted? <laughs> I can kind of see because he does have that kind of like there's sad a, face. Yeah, like, there's a lot of times, I'm, I'm and I. I don't mean to insult Jogo Lev because no, he's a, he's much, not more, he's a much more attractive man than he does. Than, kind of like Georgie, if Joseph Gordon-Levitt but... went back in time and had a son who had to be raised in like 1900s via 1940s. Like no, no, he looks he's like, got like weird wavy duck hair. Now the, the, this he looks like if you injected Jogo Lev, you actually injected Joseph Gordon-Levitt with Bruce Willis in Looper. <laughs> Is what you would get <laughs> it for Georgie. The DNA starts to fall <laughs> apart a little bit. Like, oh man. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? Okay, so okay, 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 okay. So, okay, so okay, then okay. the party ends. Okay, so well, asshole okay. falls in love with cool dude's da- cool dude's daughter. Yeah, for no reason other than she's attractive. She's the hottest lady at the party. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and apparently everybody else knows her, and he wants her. Because that's the thing he's kind of mystified because he's never seen her in the town. Because like so, like I said, the cool cool poor guy who ends up becoming rich, inventing cars. He moves away, ends up inventing cars. Did they comes say back. he was poor? Because I don't remember them saying well, he was poor. Are suge- you just... It's it's suggested that like it's this be like it's, a lot of this stuff became clear on the second viewing. It is kind of suggest suggested that he is at least not of the twice. same social strata as the Ambersons. Which then again, the Ambersons are so rich. Maybe he's not necessarily poor, but just by virtue of not being one of the Ambersons, he's not like on their level. Because mm-hmm. he actually does at least have enough money to kind of like scrape together. You know, like I said, you see him trying yeah, to follow the fashions. Car. He did build a car, yeah. So, but so so part of the reason why Georgie is so in love with his daughter is because uh, everyone in town seems to know her, despite the fact that she's never, she's never been in town before. Yeah. But everyone just knows her, her and her, her and his uh, her family by reputation and everything. So he's kind of like intrigued by her. Now I've I've seen a lot of like movies from this era and old black and white movies and yeah. what stuff. I have never seen anybody in this and Citizen Kane, which we'll talk more about next week, but I've never seen anybody relish darkness and silhouettes as much as Wells does. Yeah, he... Wells loves the hell out of darkness. Mm-hmm. He's like, more silhouettes, more, more, damn it. It's funny, it's war before noir so became many a thing a silhouettes. little bit. I mean, in terms of just, like, the now, darkness and, and the shadows and stuff like that, I know noir's not just more, you know, it's more about than just shadows. But. Yeah, and, but man, and he likes having lots of faces on screen. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily big close-ups, but he does love... He does have a, he does like a couple close-ups on yeah. people and they're talking Which, and stuff. I guess a lot of people like Citizen Kane at the time for not having as many close-ups as people thought there should be. Which yeah. is weird because, I don't know. So. Um, but yeah, no, stylistically. Well, that's one of the things I like about... I know we're already talking about Citizen Kane a little bit early. But one of the disappointing things about this movie is, uh, for me, I really love Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, the, the way it's photographed and everything is super... Everything's in deep focus. Everything like it's a very theatrical. Everything's like um, arranged for the camera in a very yeah. theatrical way. But that still kind of like reads as kind of it's there is some kind of slight artificiality, but there. it's it's this nice theatricality that still makes everything in the, in on screen very clear in terms of like the composition well, of the elements and stuff like and the focus I, everything's very sharp yeah. focus with dark shadows and stuff like that and very kind of chiaroscuro kind of like. Uh, stuff in this movie, it's very it's 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 not nearly as ambitiously shot. Well, he didn't it looks have kind of bland. He didn't have he wanted the same cinematographer on it. Yeah, but he wasn't shows. able to get the 
so he made sure to get the same yeah, cameraman. It's not an ugly movie. It just the same look cameraman from Kane. Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. But he wasn't able to get the cinematographer. Well, and this is the other thing, too. So um, another thing that impacts this movie uh, is the fact that RKO took the movie out of out of uh, I almost called him Citizen Kane. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll out get, of Wills's hands, we'll and so they the chopped end, up yeah. a lot of stuff. So I guess in Wells's original edit, there was a lot more. Maybe the movie's not necessarily pretty, but there was more ambitious like camera moves and stuff yeah. like this. I at the party at the beginning, supposedly it started with a like three minute tracking shot that yeah. followed through everyone through the party. And they just up lobbed it off right in the yeah, middle they just of that. Cut, yeah, so and they it cut totally up, so. destroyed the shot. Yeah, so it's it's partially RKO's fault, but stuff. But the, well, we're talking about the final product there. All we know is what you can illegally download online. Yeah, and that's all that's available. And yeah, did you notice that? Uh, Georgie walks like he just took a dump in his pants and he's trying not to squish it around. <laughs> I never noticed. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. He, he walks though. like kind of stiff and kind of side to side. Yeah, like I wonder He if just sharted really hard. Maybe that's he doesn't, like an upper class walk of the time. He doesn't really swing his arms. And yeah. Well, I guess if he's like, just... It's like he's got a bad rash on his chode or something. And he's just trying <laughs> his best to be not comfortable. Uh, literally Ivy League. You got Ivy in his balls. And now he's just like, oh man, swollen down there. Oh, yeah. So then they, they flash flash forward they fast fast forward to winter time it doesn't or, time no it doesn't really too. it doesn't really fast forward it because i guess they're like already there but the they fast them... forward to snowy time yeah so things are snowy does jump around it does seem to at least another decade takes place between what is the present and, day and the end of the movie yeah. so yeah and then uh what is it what's cotton's what is his name joseph cotton yeah, what's his name? morgan Morgan, something like that yeah but anyway he's he's taking people out for a ride in his automobile this is the thing because he's back in town and he's like oh wait, yeah wait. is this before or after the funeral this is before right this is before okay yeah so <laughs> you're already confusing me I, apologies for anyone listening to this this is we're yeah we're already confused by this well, movie that we're i can to guarantee describe. like one person out there has seen this movie yeah well Nobody that's what i'm saying no bother. one else who knows what this movie is. we're just like it's just fucking noise but anyway. i didn't even know it existed yeah before you were like i'm gonna watch this and i was like, like all right well fuck? but um i love the royal tannenbaums <laughs> oh that's one of the nice things is too because like yeah, i'm assuming royal tannenbaums must be some kind of play off the magnificent ambersons just even from the title alone but even the outside of the house maybe i hated um, that movie as much as i hate this movie really? There's no Rushmore, but we'll talk about this some other day. But even like the Amberson's house has kind of like a turret, kind of like the the the, the turret on the uh, the house of the uh, Royal Tannenbaums too. Mm. I'm just kind of throwing. Out. I don't know if that was intentional, but so so they get stuck in the snow, and Georgie and Lucy, who is uh, the young Morganson's daughter, yeah. ride by on their horse and carriage, and oh, man, your car sucks. Well, and then they get thrown from that and roll down a hill, and he like kisses her, and I'm like, what? This is not okay. You met her like last night. It's weird theatricality. And of, Morganson comes yeah. up and like sees them doing it and is like, <laughs> those darn kids. Because especially this and is kind shot of on a set. And like, no, that. Well, this was actually shot in like a freezer. Yeah. To get, oh, that's like, real the snow. Cold. It's. I don't think it's real snow, but it's like at least I, pretty good. It's though. like it's at least ice shading. It's obviously like a fake set because and so, but it's it's interesting because it's a, such a small set, but you have this thing where like you've got a full size car. Yeah, like, they in sold this it, fake snow. They sold it, and shot it in like an abandoned meat locker or something yeah. like that. And so, well, this starts off the passive aggressiveness. Orson Welles got a really asshole. bad head cold. Um, Georgie the asshole is trying to show up 
uh, this guy who tried to fuck his mom back in the day by like well, oh he, did, he doesn't know that at this point well I know but like, let's tell he's still a little aggravated because he kind of like his uh, her, like Lucy's dad kind of like humili- humiliated him a little bit at the party he's obviously trying to like he's also just an asshole and likes to fuck with people yeah. and he does know this guy he is is really into cars is making is made his fortune off a of car well, I think that's part of it too because he finds out that this guy was poor and then came back and now he's rich and now he's kind of like tr- pretending to be rich a little bit so I guess he wants to show him up like oh you think your automobile is so great. I'm gonna race by you with your daughter inside this horse-drawn carriage and almost kill better. us both. Yeah, we're gonna Wouldn't go. That be enjoyable. We're gonna go, <laughs> we're gonna go through a very shallow turn and get flung off our fucking carriage. Yeah, and it's great because the staging is like because they're in a room the size of like half a small gymnasium and they have a fucking horse, like an actual horse drawing the carriage, and so they have to like race by uh, the everyone on the car, like five feet away turn and then ten feet away from there kind of like fall off the carriage with the yeah. like, trying to make it look like an act natural outdoor environment but, but it's funny they could be out they fall over on themselves and start kissing and they're kissing they've literally like fallen in front of like the dad the dad is like literally like ten feet away going like and they're like mm. and that's oh, well, the best and thing the, though the movie didn't earn that either no but the, I do like the dad shows up and instead of being an asshole being like oh freak dad is like haha you kids Kiss in the car. Come on, we'll, just get, we'll take you home in the in the yeah. car. I wish I would. And but, but they, they're stuck in the snow. And Georgie, they make him push the car while everybody else is in it. And yeah, it kind of sucks that he didn't die of carbon monoxide poisoning well, yes. trying to push the car. Right at the there. beginning, at the party when he meets Lucy, he's all like, "Well, I." He, well, he starts shit talking anyone who ever has to uh, make a living. Yeah, even lawyers and shit like that. He's like, "I don't know." What, oh, he's like, "Well, yeah." Lucy's like, "What are you gonna do with your why. life?" And he's like, "I'm not gonna work." He's like, "I don't understand what people expect to get from being a lawyer and working for a living." She's like, "Yeah, what do you want to be?" You're like, "I want to be yachtsman." Yeah. yeah, he's just being an, issue, an idiot. But he's talking about like even even the, like the quote unquote rich Ponzi professions. All like, oh, that's crazy. But yeah, like, it's it's great for a moment to get to see him have to actually work with the hands a little bit to pu- push behind this like car that's like sp- spitting smoke and fumes in his face and he's like <laughs> he's trying to push and he's like eh, i can barely push the car and yeah you're just hoping like oh god you're hoping the horse that what whatever happened to the horse that threw him off the carriage you're hoping the horse might come up and like bite him on the neck and like <laughs> kill him or something well this movie is is a series of i hope georgie dies in this scene it never happens it never happens it almost happens he seems he got insinuated suicide by georgie at the end a little bit we'll get to no. that so what but, else um so what I, I know you can't answer this question, but I wrote it down pretty early in the movie. What possible reason does Lucy have to like George? Just because to make the plot work. The only reason she, she can like him in the movie is because it's in the plot. She's the prettiest girl There's in town. She's no chemistry rich. between them at all. Yeah. And it insinuates that no one else is going after her. It makes it sound like George is the only person in town that's interested in her. Yeah. That just happens to be... The son of the guy of the lady that her father tried to fuck like thirty years ago. Yeah, and it's just yeah. I well yeah. I mean, I mean and that's one of the things that like. Then the funeral happens because his dad dies, and there's not a lot to say. Oh yeah, there. so okay, the boring guy that Edward uh, Joseph Cotton's lady mm-hmm. chose at the beginning of the movie that the the, the guy the other guy from that George's first triangle. Father. Yeah, George's father drops dead yeah kind of like in the Without most kind of like well i guess he's kind of dead yeah well yeah because they they essentially end the snow they thing just, yeah they just cut to like everyone's at a funeral like wait what again yeah. it almost seems like a cut scene or something like that yeah and so now uh george's mother becomes available again yeah 
And you got to get on that widow ass fast. Because Joseph Cotton does. Because there's He's no the, point in waiting around for grief. He plays it cool. And he was like, hey, baby, how you doing? I know I know you're fucked up. Rich husband that you married when you should have married me is kind of fucked up. And I know I fell on my cello at the beginning of the movie. But <laughs> aren't I cute? Didn't I invent this car? Did Ain't you, I did you notice how I grew a mustache as time Yeah, look passed? at my southern generally me, generally little. You got any cigars? <laughs> um... See, that's, 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 so yeah, that happens. Everybody's sad. And... But it's cute because I like that. Like, like uh, George's mom and Joseph Cotton are kind of naturally drawn back towards again yeah. to each other. I don't know at the time how acceptable that would be. Kind of the fact that the the son freaks out about it later when he finds out about it. But at the same time, you're kind of like you know, I don't know. It seems like very kind of sweet. They might be starting to get back together, and they're like, oh, okay, well maybe. Yeah, there's people... a much more interesting love story in this movie that they didn't film. Yeah. If the of the whole love story was just like the first generation, the first the first uh, love triangle, is there even a secondary the 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 young people? Is there even a love triangle? Because no. it's just Georgie and the girl. Yeah, that's it. No one else. Try- I guess not. Yeah, that's really oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So so then you cut to like Georgie and Lucy riding in a carriage, talking, and he's like, "Why won't you more talk about marriage with me?" And she's like, <laughs> "I'm not gonna marry yeah, you." They're in a car loaded with twelve people. That's about the top load. No, no, this is this is later. This is I thought that was in the car when they were No, in the no, snow. this is later. Oh, because that's like half the movie. Him being like, "Why don't you love me?" Yeah, and, and she's her like, being like, "She's like, <laughs> are you gonna get a job?" And he's like, "Well, no." And she's like, "Well, then I'm not gonna marry Lick you." My balls, and while bitch. he was bitching about that, I farted, and it was one of the best things I heard <laughs> while this whole movie was happening. I feel so bad I had to make you watch this movie. Oh, um, what what well, happens next? You got uh, your notes, and I got my well, notes. Well, I think. We'll talk well, to the first, film. And... Then Fanny starts being... Fanny is... We haven't is... started talking about no. Fanny! Oh, okay, this, this is... Okay, okay. Oh. So this is where Aunt Fanny, who is Georgie's aunt, kind of becomes more of a character okay. in this movie. We should... Man, for like the fucking podcast show notes, we should have a diagram of who's what. Okay, so Aunt Fanny is the sister of... We don't even know these characters' names. It would be much simpler if we could say... Why don't... Just... Really quick, bring up IMDb on your computer yeah, okay. so we can look at it. Uh, George's aunt, which would be the sister of George's mother, which is the lady that Cotton is interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Aunt Fanny. Yeah. Yeah. Aunt Fanny. It doesn't look like anything. Which, I'm sorry. Okay. There's you. Okay. 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 Here we go. Aunt Fanny is a terrible name. <laughs> and not even and for, even I'm, for American people. Yeah. In okay. the UK, it's even worse. <laughs> Joseph Cotton is Eugene. You might, well, you might as well just call her Aunt Pussy. <laughs> And, okay, Joseph Cotton is Eugene. Okay, Eugene. Uh, Lucy is his daughter. Yeah. George is the shithead. Yeah. We keep on complaining about. Fanny is the aunt. Yeah. The aunt. Uh, the the main lady who Eugene was in love with and is also uh, the, the 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 mother of George is Isabel. Isabel. Okay. So those are essentially the four main characters we're talking about. And then yeah. there's Aunt Fanny, who's just this weird hanger on. So they start. They well, they start at this point kind of insinuating that Fanny's obsessed with. Uh, Cotton, with, yeah, Joseph with Cotton, Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. So they start doing that, and they and Georgie and his uncle, who is also in the movie, who yeah. I thought was his grandfather for a I while. I guess, yeah, because he seems older than anyone else. Yeah, a lot. But it turns but out a lot he's older. just a, cause but he's, he's just the one of the he's just another uh, sibling. Yeah. There's so there's three siblings. There's there's Isabel, the main romantic yeah. older lead, the mom, Fanny, and her brother and her and sister. Yeah, uncle. Fanny and and they fucking, start teasing her about how like. Joseph she was always interested in Cotton, but Cotton was never interested in him. Yeah, but he's and, coming around no yeah, more often and, now that her husband is and, dead. Yeah, and so now George is like, you want Cotton around, so you invited him, and you're trying to get him to hang out with Mom so you can get at him. 
and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's like a subplot that like it also kind of ties into the end. It's like a end. brain hemorrhage. It's just like that. This movie, oh. it's 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 a subplot the movie doesn't need. And Fanny's not an interesting character. They could have gotten rid of Fanny entirely. She's a great actress. Oh, you know what? I didn't realize watching this a second time. She's the one who plays Kane's mom. Oh. In Citizen Kane, who she's one of the best performances in Citizen Kane, and she only has like twelve lines in the first movie. In, in the first no. movie, like this is a fucking Star Wars sequel. But yeah, no, she was great in the first one. But yeah, yeah she's more hysterical and kind of weird in this one. At, at this point in the uh, movie, I wrote. Oh, you know, she played on Bewitched. She played Bewitched's mom. I looked her up on IMDb, <laughs> and I'm like, that's where I know her from. Agnes okay. Moorhead. At this point, I wrote down a question. As far as main characters go, is Georgie the worst? Yes. He's up there. In, there, in yes. the pantheon of terrible main characters and anything, that is, especially for intentional main, especially for intentionally terrible uh, main characters. It's funny, I mean, Wells obviously knew how terrible this kid was. I guess that he and the rest of the Mercury Theater uh, gang, they put together a radio adaptation of the same book. They called it Pampered Youth, mm-hmm. which that right there already kind of shows you what his interpretation of Georgie was. Yeah, yeah. And I guess he played Georgie himself on the radio play. Well, yeah, actually he, he wanted to play Georgie in the movie, yeah, but he felt... Old. Well, he was about the same age, but he felt he looked too old to play Georgie. Because yeah. I've seen photos, man... Which I was thinking about. He would have he would have been perfectly fine in, as the Georgie role. Yeah. I don't Although, know it would have been kind of funny because, like, he... Because and... he can pull off this... The thing about Orson Welles is... I feel like he can pull off the smarmy, cocky, kind of halfway smile attitude. Yeah. And off better. And this kid was just a He's grumpy. He's petulant. This, it, this, this actor who played Georgie, fine it for Georgie, a little bit weird because... it was just a grumpy, sourpuss face. Uh, Wells and Puckers Joseph Cotton hole. play best friends of the same age in Citizen Kane. It would have been fun, kind of funny that, like, if... if, if it well, no, you wouldn't sense. know they were the same age in this because well, I know, he's got but a mustache. If seen Citizen... oh, yeah, that's right. Unless, unless Orson Welles has a mustache on, it means he's oh still God. in his 20s. That's funny because like all the like the grandpas in this movie like fucking that's why you think so, <laughs> that's why you think the brother's a grandpa because he's got a mustache yeah. it confuses yeah, you yeah exactly you think he's over the and like especially the grandpa of that family should have two mustaches got me he's like twice removed in oldness oh man what else so there was a long chunk of the movie where I didn't write down any notes probably because I was bored <laughs> fucking staring but, at the wall okay there was. There's that dinner they have where Georgie basically says automobiles are pointless, useless. Yeah, he things. attacks, and I do like. Is it is it his his uncle that comes out and says that's a real great way to try to like get the, fall in the good graces of a lady? Yeah, okay, but her wait, wait, fucking wait. dad off at dinner. Yeah, this is after Georgie finds out that. That Cotton is interested in Isabella, his mother. Yeah, because Fanny leaks it to him. She's all like, "Have you Which, heard?" Reading some stuff, like I uh, supposedly there was talk about maybe being more like Georgie's hot for his mom stuff in the movie. There's like this Oedipus complex oh, stuff that was, in, no. that, that was that supposedly just even makes it worse. hinted at in Although, the movie. actually, that would make it like a little more interesting. Yeah. But that's even... Georgie's already bad enough as it is without wanting to bang his own mom. His, well, then again, his mo- mom is the only character in the whole fucking story he seems to have any respect for. Maybe kind of Lucy a little bit, but he's just trying to get in her pants, so yeah. what the fuck that's even mean. So, oh. so, so after that, Cotton goes balls. away and basically... Okay, I, I couldn't hear that, that well because the mixing on the version you sent me was a little funky, funky. So Cotton writes a letter to Isabel basically saying, so long as your son is more important to you than me. Yeah, I'm that's kind of what around? he says. Is that he what does? he does? Yeah, that's kind of what he... That actually, that, actually, that letter that he writes to Isabel, his long-lost love, 
is actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. There's a little speech in there about how he kind of like essentially he's he's essentially he forgives George for being a dick in a very interesting way um, by saying this kid's only 20. I'm 40. This kid doesn't understand like 40 has a hard time trying to get 20 year olds to understand what what it is to be yeah. older and like 20 year olds just inherently can't understand and i forget what the quote yeah, is but it's something about how there there's yeah like things that, that was like, really yeah, yeah the writing of that letter was uh, from what from what i could hear with the volume uh was was very well written and yeah. much better written than it feel like a lot of the stuff in the movie was i i just that's an interesting sentiment to me because i'm turning 40 this year so that's part of it. I was like yeah, that's kind of true i mean although he's specifically t- <laughs> yeah looking back at 20 year old bill you're like oh man I, who, he was so immature yeah. let me finish building my lego <laughs> set now star wars <laughs> and candy yeah no exactly <laughs> uh but but it just i mean it is interesting because joseph cotton's like you know talking about it. he is talking about just how things are when you get yeah. older, but he is very specifically talking about how, like, I'm old enough. I'm I shouldn't worry so this... about this kid. But that's the funny thing, because as much of as an asshole Georgie is, Joseph Cotton is so understanding. He's like the complete, or is almost like idyllic and like angelic to a fault. Because like he, yeah, even when this kid starts trying to actively destroy his relationship with Isabel, he's still like kind of like, ah, eh, shake it off. He's all Taylor Swift. Yeah. about it yeah and you're like exactly. man fucking kill this choke this motherfucker yeah so because yeah so i think that starts off so yeah when he has the dinner when when um georgie insults joseph cotton at dinner about how shitty fucking automobiles are is that yeah is that after he's found out that like isabel yeah and then his mom and joseph and cotton then, are kind of yeah and then yeah because uh, that's when he starts getting cotton surly. shows up at the door later and georgie's like you're not going to see her now it's and you're never point. going to see her again and then she's dead no she no no that dead. happens later does that happen yeah later? because that's uh, a, and then he writes the letter oh yeah being like hey your kid's a piece of shit uh, Other than, you yeah, should choose. She's not home now. Right thing away. happens twice because then then Georgie takes his mom and they go off to Europe for a couple of years. Yeah, but wait, wait. So so then he then after he tells <laughs> after he tells God. Cotton Cotton you're not going to see my mom anymore. Uh, cut to him. I think this is when that happens. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm getting my order mixed up because I, I like I said just this like I said I, so I, I stopped, still pretty fresh in my I mind. I stopped I stopped taking notes for a while, but he uh, meets Lucy on the street and is all. I'm going away for a while. You're gonna miss me, and she get, just keeps smiling and is like, "Okay, I'll yeah. see you later." She is very and, like, and she's acting all happy, and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome." She doesn't give a fuck about Georgie, but then he's like, "All right, so long. I don't know when I'll be back." And she goes into like a uh, 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 I had to rewind this because the a drugstore so and faints because she's so distraught that Georgie's going away. I'm like, no! But she also fades off camera from when I first time I watched this, I had to go like, wait, what happened? Because yeah. She, okay, so she, she, but she lets Georgie walk away. Why and then she goes into the restaurant. She's like, give me, she's like, give me a soda. And the guy says, and, he, and the camera follows him and he goes off to get a soda and then he just turns around. You don't even hear a flump or anything like that. He just turns around and goes, ma'am? Ma'am? And then yeah. he just, like, it's insinuated that she fades well, they because cut, she's they so cut a scene later that had him t- in, like in a bar talking about how yeah, again, a lady... There's already store, weird stuff in this movie, which is exas- right. ex- exacerbated by the cuts by Arcade, yeah. which doesn't help. But, like, no, she should have just been, like, cheerful the entire rest of the time. Because why does she give a fuck about Georgie? Because exactly. it's her prospects. Like, why is there no one else trying to go after her? It's not like, like there's he, so she, many he's times. the last... 
There's, oh. there's so many times this movie could have given George like little cub umpitses, I, and instead they're like, no, we got to give him I one big one. I wonder if this one. movie would have made more sense if you had seen it like in the 1940s in the context it came out, or if you had actually grown up in the era of these characters. I think you had in. to grow up because, in the like, yeah, from our perspective, it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with these characters? The gender politics are bonkers. The social uh, politics are bonkers. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. And there was a point in the movie where Lucy was standing there, and I was like, man. <laughs> Lucy got nice tits. Yeah, no, Lucy's pretty cute. Damn. Yeah, Lucy's probably dead now. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh that made me sad. no, no. <laughs> I, I I doubt anybody involved with this movie is still alive. Oh, uh, let's find out. It's uh, like, oh man, she got old. She was with somebody's grandma. Her titties got fallen oh, off. She no. died on December twelfth, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Oh, she was in the Ten Commandments. She was in the Razors. Um, oh, not that Razor's Edge. Anyway, um, so so then, oh, she is cute. So Georgie and his mother go away, and yeah. while they're away, his mom gets really sick somehow. They don't explain I with get, what. It's like a bad soap opera, anything. Yeah. And then they come back to, I guess, let her die in the mansion, basically yeah. that they live in. And fuck a doctor. George shows up one more. Not George. Ugh. Eugene. Eugene shows up one more time to be like, I want to see her and. I wasn't quite sure if you know how rough she's in, because I don't know if he just shows up to say, maybe he just found out that she's back in town. And Georgie's like, you're not going to see her. And he's like, not this time. I'm going up with it. Fuck you. And, but then the rest of the family's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't see her. She's too rough, too, in too rough a shape right now. Yeah. They really cop block them all. They all get together. Fanny, the fucking brother. In the original version, Georgie convinces Fanny to tell him she's in too rough a shape. You should probably shouldn't see her right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And Fanny kind of manipulates him into leaving, but RKO felt that was too mean-spirited. Really? Because it seems... Yeah. Or something like that. Mm. But but that scene got cut. And then... And it's more direct to have George, because it'd be almost be out of character that George wouldn't go just come up and say, fuck you. Because he's yeah. kind of been doing that for, like, and this then, whole middle third of the movie anyway. And then Fan- or, uh, Isabella is dying on the bed, and yeah, she, asks, she yeah. asks if if Cotton had been around, and he was like... Georgie's like, yes... He came to see you, uh, but he left. And she's like, oh, I would have liked to see him one more time. Yeah, you don't realize how and, sick she is until after they turn away then, Eugene. And then she dies. And yeah. it's like, well, we should have had Georgie feeling bad for, like, destroying one of his mother's last wishes. But it doesn't seem like he gives a fuck. I'm sure she not even get one last real and, scene between Georgie and his mom. I mean, they kind of, like, there's a little thing where she's like, eh, I would have liked to see him the last time. But, like, you think Georgie and him... He's such a mama's boy. You think there would be even like between Georgie and his mom, there'd be something. But no, yeah. she just kind of like and then, dies off camera, and it's just kind of like, okay, well, that's the end of that plot thread too. Yeah. I guess. And it's then just... there's a scene where you get a close up of the grandpa sitting in a chair with a fireplace in front of him, <laughs> and a couple of voices behind him. And I, I, I since yeah, you it's watched like another movie, since you watched this twice, can you explain to me where their money went? What happened here? How? Why? So this is the real downfall of, of the Emerson broke? family. So. Uh, yeah, so, and this, this happens right after yeah, Isabel dies, yeah. Um, you've just got the actual grandpa, the super grandpa of the Emerson family, I guess the founder of the grandpa, because he talks about how he, like, he built the house and everything everyone's been running around in. Yeah, he just stares at the camera, says something about the sun, the earth came out of the sun, and we came out of the earth. Yeah. And then the camera fades away, and that, that's the end of the shot, and then the, he but just disappears the, but, from the store. 
story. Before you hear hear that in are the background, there's something like what, Isabella gave all her money to blah blah. blah. Oh, and they're arguing that? over the deed for the house because yeah. I guess there's like the insinuation that like this guy has lost his marbles. Maybe not dead yet, but in the interim, maybe. Well, I mean, Isabel was his daughter. So maybe the death of his daughter has kind of driven him crazy. Again, there's nothing well, specifically. All it goes is from the death of Isabel to her father, which you've only seen like maybe one and a half times in the movie already. Just staring at the camera. You don't even see what's going on. He's just gibbering, bla- uh, uh, blabbering gibberish right directly into the camera. And you hear in the background like, oh, they're they're trying to find the deed for the house because like they're asking Georgie, like, Georgie, do you have the deed for the house? Because Grandpa, he's not doing so well. And Georgie's like, I don't need the deed. Fuck the deed. I ate the deed for for a sandwich. It was so good. Something like that. That's the gist, yeah. gist of it. It's like them not really caring. Because they're like, we're rich. Who gives a fuck? We got the house. Who cares who the, who the house is? Oh, I think part of the thing is um, the, 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 the grandfather, he put the deed... He put the house is in technically Isabel's name. So now that she's dead, the ownership of the house is coming into question. Although they don't seem to be very worried about it. But that does come into question because it turns out, I guess I, you have to take this from context. I guess the old guy died with no money, leaving the rest of the family now officially broke. Even so though where, everyone's been rich up until this Yeah, point. what happened to the rest of the money that they had had up to I that had point. to read this up. There's one or two references in the movie towards uh, the family's investments in headlights not working out. I guess there was a cutscene earlier in the movie that had been filmed but taken out by RKO where Fanny and the grandpa get together. I guess it's kind of earlier in the movie, like maybe after Eugene and his family come back and like, you know, Gene, uh, George starts falling in love with Lucy and everything like that. There was a scene where the grandpa kind of comes out and, and says, pretty much confides in Fanny that like, oh, we're kind of running low on money. Uh, we should invest in something new to generate new money for the f- for for our future, like our, our future stake. And uh, I guess they both decided, okay, we're going to take in a whole bunch of our money, invest it in, in a car headlight company. Ironically enough, that like you know the family might try to save itself by investing in a car part. Mm-hmm. And I guess for some reason that investment washes out. And I guess there was another deleted scene where it is revealed that like yeah they've lost all their money from this investment. So well, you yeah, hear that's... towards the last third of the movie one or two references towards oh we lost our all our money with the headlight stuff. But again, but like that's such a basic story point that it got edited out in the movie. You're just like, well, I guess now the Amberson family. Is well, yeah. Right? After the grandpa talks about the sun farting the earth into existence <laughs> in front of the fireplace, yeah, it cuts. I think it cuts to them in the like an empty house, uh, Georgie and Fanny talking about how they're going to live in. Um, oh, like a boarding house. Yeah, a boarding house. And, out of the blue. Yeah. And she's. He's like. Uh, I'll pay. I'm gonna be getting like forty two dollars a week. And yeah, you, he's finally conceded actually doing real work yeah, for the first time. Yeah, and you his can life. pay for the rest. And she's like, I can't pay for the rest. I only have twenty six dollars. And he's yeah. like, What do you mean I only have twenty six dollars? And she says, I put it all in blah blah blah. Yeah, in the headlights. I think that's one yeah. of the occasions where the headlight I, thing comes up. And, yeah, and then she breaks down and has a big blubbering scene and cries and whatnot. And and yeah, she really kind of loses her shit in the biggest like theatrical part of the movie. Where yeah. She's like, ah! I lost and, all my money. And, and it's really so I guess the rest of the family's goal no, and then like the brother, like George's uncle, who is also brother to Isabel, he just kinda gets on a train and disappears. Yeah, he gets on a train, reason. calls George a piece of shit, but he, he likes really does kinda like I like you, but you're a piece of shit. Yeah. I gotta catch my train. Yeah. I, so, I like you, but I could strangle you. So by the, the this is pretty much the end of the movie is getting close, yeah. And like, then everyone so then, in the Ambersons is either dead or 
just walked away. So the Georgie goes to the law office, which is where he's going to be getting the forty-two dollars a week or whatever. Yeah, and he's says, finally like, yeah, he's finally and basically says enough to say, okay, I'll I need take to, your law job. Yeah, I need just, yeah. I need more money, and I need it right away. And the law office guy makes a bunch of faces because apparently that's what people did back then. Um, he makes yeah. a bunch of faces. Georgie, like, well, I gotta act at you for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, <laughs> that's not possible. Yeah. And Georgie's like, well, I hear that dangerous work, like with dynamite and stuff, is man makes good money thing. fast. So I'll go do that instead. Georgie, in the course of three scenes and five minutes of screen time, goes from being a rich, pompous guy who thinks he has all the money in the world to being like, oh, I uh, should contemplate getting a law job. To oh. I think I'll work at the dynamite factory. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just like, wait, what happened? Like just even plot and following the plot, you're like, wait, what? And, so then, and for a character who's so invested in his own sense of self and money and everything like that, it seems like a very quick turnaround for him to suddenly be like, okay, yeah. like, like just give me the most like, so then explosive we, stuff. So I, you can like, as long as I get a paycheck at the end of today, I need that money that quickly. Yeah. I will handle whatever so, dangerous shit you can throw at me. Then we get a m- montage of like electric, wires and and street lights and everything and yeah. Orson Welles talking about the progress of civilization and industry and how it's it's making things for the better or maybe for the worst and and it's then we the get a scene a dark room with Georgie like praying at the side of a bed and Orson Welles says Georgie finally got his comeuppance and then we get another scene where okay I want to I want to uh, uh, okay um, it's also weird too, just from a format perspective, how this movie has some narration. There's some narration in the beginning. There's like one spot of narration in the middle of the movie, and then you get the end narration with essentially the the, the final downfall of Georgie about how he's so depressed and fucked up. Yeah, and so what I thought the end of the movie was going to be, uh, Georgie's finally at the end of his rope. He's finally had to accept a terrible job at like they never specifically say, but some kind of chemical company. He's he he, he rejected the job from the law firm, yeah. and now, yeah, you see, he's alone, not even with Fanny, but he is in some he is in some kind of boarding home, totally broke, praying to God, like to help him. And yeah, the camera starts pulling out, and it's Orson Welles saying, "Yeah, like this this is." I'm gonna need your best Orson Welles effect. Oh God. <laughs> no, <laughs> Where, where's my corn? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, fish oh, fingers. Luck, there's a French fry in my beard. <laughs> mm. uh, I love that's not even the actual the, the fish fingers commercial, but it's the parody of that commercial. Yeah. Um, is that the is that's, that the, uh, that's from the critic? The I critic think, one, yeah. exactly. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, you should totally see the commercial outtakes. The, the world yeah. fame. If you know anything about Orson Welles, you probably heard about this stuff. But like, what's the original one for like peas? Yeah. Well, that was also in the critic where it was like. Peas. Amberson's Farms peas. peas. See, I can't. Chocked get... full of delicious peanuts. Oh, that's I terrible. I, I quit. My my Orson Welles is the Pepperidge Farms guy. Pepperidge <laughs> Farms remembers. Pepperidge that, that Farms is my remembers. Orson Welles. Yeah, that's what yes. I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the camera so, pulls out. Yeah, Orson was... Welles doing an air, which is actually very great because he's talking about, okay, this, this comeuppance that people have been hoping for for 30 years has come and filled George's cup over three times, but no one was alive to see it, and the people who were alive had forgotten all yeah. about him. So I was expecting it's kinda that like, to oh, be that's the That's kind of dour. That's... That's grim. But then there's a bunch of newspaper flashes that are like, automobile accidents up. More and more accidents with automobiles. Automobiles running over people. Automobiles eating people alive. It's and then there's a scene. It flashes to, uh, what's the movie where the cars kill people? 
uh, maximum Odri- overdrive. Oh. Well, both. It's actually yeah, it turns into it's, it's actually an elaborate prequel to both <laughs> Carrie Transformers and Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. So then it cuts to a scene of like this guy on a stretcher, and it, it's obviously a car accident. Somebody's been hit, and they take him away. I'm like, okay, did George get hit? Did George hit somebody? And then it slaps cut to I know again another they're there, scene they're jumping around. It's just like what? Another scene with um, it's like an art movie. What's but in his uh, or uh, Cotton in his office with his daughter, like reading the newspaper, and he like puts it down, and she runs off screen, like kind of happy style, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And then this is the end of the movie. Yeah, you're slap, not you're not exaggerating. It's slap kinda... cut to another thing of of Cotton coming out of a hospital room in a brightly lit ha- hallway, and walks ways down and meets Fanny. Mm-hmm. All dressed up in like her best funeral attire. She's basically. all black. Yeah. yeah, and he basically says, "Well, we shook hands and we made up, and I guess I did right by the woman I loved." And I'm like, "What the fuck is that, this shit?" That's an RKO and, then, and, then, and, then, and then it ends. And if I was like, no, that's no, no, that's not how this should have ended. The funny thing and because... it basically insinuates that Georgie gets to live on happily with Lucy. Yeah, sucking, Georgie, sucking, Lucy sucking, in the hotel room. Sucking on the tit of his now rich father-in-law. Which is not necessarily a happy ending. Oh, it's awful. I assume that that ending was... And it's not It's not super different from the ending Orson Welles wanted. I know. That's the horrifying thing. When I first watching it, because the organic ending feels like it should just be Georgie praying to God that isn't there in his fucked up No, novel. the ending that it should have been was Georgie goes to World War One and dies in the trenches. That's what should have happened at the end of this what? movie. What is the time? Like, that would have totally made sense. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, at the start of the movie, I was like, please let Georgie die in oh, World War One. Yeah. But no, he... Well, if that can't happen, at least if he's still going to be... Well, assuming he could have had enough money, he could have uh, bought himself out is, of the war. But... Is this... After... At, at the end of this movie, I was like, is this story just anti-car propaganda? Because <laughs> this movie basically feels like fucking automobiles are evil-ass shit. Yeah. Don't trust automobiles. It is funny, yeah, that one newspaper This movie is like, hates automobiles. Yeah. Well, like, Every chance they get, they're insulting automobiles. Fucking Orson Welles. I mean, the whole beginning of the movie is... It's back basically... Back in the day of the yeah. horse-drawn carriage, when is the it, ladies had time to close the windows and come down to the horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it's it's all like, fuck cars. I don't know if Orson Welles did, or, or, or Booth Tarkington had a big boner for this, this is, era, but... This is a good antidote to cars, this, the movie, the Pixar thing. <laughs> This movie hates the shit out of cars <laughs> and misses the good old it's days. It's funny that cars were still kind of a relatively new thing back in the, when this movie was made to 1940s that aren't already only really been around for like 30 years commercially. And then after the movie, and so this this is like this is like like, like video games. Cars were as new as video games are now to yeah. us. Like it's still like those newfangled video games making all the kids go bleep and bloop. And now it's like all yeah. oh, those cars with the rubber tires so, and the. After the movie was over, I wrote, "What a wet fart." <laughs> Because that's what this movie was. It was a wet fart. I did like... Because the insinuation so... And there was some pretty cinematography and stuff. Like, some of the shots were really nice and whatnot. I do like when and, the movie looks and, ugly. When it's supposed... When, the, when, he, when what's his face is walking around. Like, you were talking about the power lines and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Because the insinuation is that as everything's been going on with the Emerson family falling apart and everything like that, that the town that Indianapolis itself is grown up and become modernized and has kind of become unrecognizable to these rich people who have kind of like absconded themselves into their like this Amberson mansion and not really been 
communicating too much with the outside world and like the world has changed him especially for georgie who's relatively starts off the movie kind of a young guy just in within just like a decade or so like he doesn't even recognize his own town that he lives in and everyone everything's kind of cold and shuddered to him which i thought was kind of cool that's but it's just well, so the, miserable and the, there's no arc to georgie he goes georgie from, doesn't he goes, learn a lesson he goes from being a shit to being a shit to there's, being punished, and then the movie ends. Yeah, there's no redemption. And you see, there's like, no him trying to be a better person. When he's at the end there's of his rope, nothing. like after that scene, that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna have the movie as is, you might as well cut it off at the scene where he's praying. Because unless they had filmed some kind of thing where he kind of like, not that I'm expecting him to suddenly be better. I'm like, oh, I, I I'm gonna be a nicer person now. Yep. But at least like it would have been nice to see him take that turn when he's at the end of his rope to see what the kind of person he has become, other than just being desperate enough to pay, uh, pray to God. All you see in this movie is that he's praying to God. It's I insinuated that like it immediately cuts to the fact that he's gotten into a car accident. I wonder if he didn't throw himself in front of a car. It's supposed to be suicide. That's uh, that's how I interpreted it. Mm. Because well yeah, so the headline you see of like cars are killing everybody. It's a newspaper being held by Joseph Cotton. That's how they're first finding out of that that jo- that George has gotten fucked up. And he's been put in the hospital because in relation to this, like, front page of news of George being hit by a car and now being yeah. in the hospital. Yeah, the, like, the front page news and is cars is fucking... Uh, yeah. Automobile accidents are on the rise. Yeah, and apparently in that newspaper, there's a little entertainment column yeah. that is written by the entertainment writer from Citizen oh, Kane, who is also played by Cotton. If this is in keeping, if that's an actual Kane paper, it would make sense that, like... He would be sensationalizing the rise of automobile accidents because that's what Kane does. So um, that totally makes sense. Then after I wrote "What uh, a Wet Fart of a Movie," yeah. I wrote "I hate Bill for making me watch this movie." <laughs> I hated myself for again. It got better on the second time, so at least when I could actually, I was conscious enough to actually because, keep track of everything. Can't believe you watched this thing twice. I had to. I'm glad I did because you would officially know more about this because you had a higher tolerance than this movie than I did. And I was the one who suggested it. I enforced it in myself. I was the one who lured you into watching uh, Citizen Kane. Both of these episodes are my fault, and even I barely got through this movie. Uh, I want to find every copy of this book and burn it because fuck Booth Tarkington. And it's better? there's no I, I say it's no wonder this movie is so hard to find. Because that way you keep up the mystique that it's better it really than is. a Citizen again, like, Kane. Again, I don't want to say it's a badly made movie, although it is kind of chopped up and stuff. But yeah, like I said, it is a rare occasion of the main character so, being so dour as to just make it like, why would you want to... It's like so now, the, the the book Fun Home. Have you read Fun Home, the comic? No. That movie is a lady talking about how her dad was gay something something about how he was a self-loathing horrible guy. And that I could only get halfway through that because the main character was just so like... Just not, I, just, I didn't want to punish myself anymore. Yeah. And I'm someone who I'll, I'll, I'll watch Schindler's List. I'll watch it. This, I've seen Tetsuo the Iron Man. I've seen movies that are punishing. But so, so now that we're done with the actual turd of a movie, let's talk a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. Yeah. So RKO uh, Wells went to Brazil to film another movie. And while he was there, World War II really started happening in the states so he wasn't able to fly back and cut it is that what because i know he was yeah. stranded in, in brazil and he couldn't get back come back to work on the movie so now i guess he gave up final <clears throat> cut approval on the movie as part of some deal he, yeah. for another movie he was working yeah. on with rko so 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 they could take it, it out of his hand came up to with it. i forget one of the guys but also cotton to edit it oh really okay. yeah it was two guys 
I can't remember the other one, and Cotton huh. to edit it, which caused a huge well, rift between Wells and Cotton and this other guy. And Wells was it and, Robert Wise who he wound yeah, up directing because he so. was editor on, on Citizen Kane, and he also yeah, he, uh, directed sure Sound of Music and Star Trek: The Motion. So Picture. after this, him and Wells, uh, the wise guy, you say, um, didn't talk again <laughs> until Wells got like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, like, like in the eighties or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they didn't talk again until they, they came out and shook hands. Jesus, that's a damn shame because they were creative force. That's but Cotton wrote him a letter a couple years later, ten years later, or something like that. Yeah. basically apologizing for fucking up the movie so bad, and Wells accepted the apologies and they became friends again. Okay. But Arkeo cut fifty minutes from the movie and gave the movie a, a quote unquote happier ending because it tested so poorly at a screening. And the original ending... Glad to see even back then people were was, like, what the fuck is this? It was really... It was surprisingly hard to find out what the original ending was supposed to be for this yeah. movie. Cause, I mean, there's no footage of it. They sent a, a rock, rough cut of Wells' original um, cut to him in Brazil. And that is supposedly the only copy of Wells' cut in existence. But nobody knows if it still exists. It's, yeah. the, it's one of the like couple holy grails of movies movie things out there yeah um but that totally makes sense but yeah. the original ending that's interesting it's basically the same except cotton goes to visit uh yeah i wrote Fanny. this down on my notes yeah he goes at to her visit boarding Fanny house at, at her boarding house and essentially gives the same speech right and yeah basically gives the same speech i met with georgie and then but then he leaves the boarding house and it turns out it's kind of is it the mansion no, I think it's supposed to be the boarding house, but okay, there's supposed but, to be but, other people listening in on their conversation, yeah. and Fanny's listening to a comedy album in the background. Yeah, and, and so the last thing is the camera pulling out, and it's Fanny all by herself, kind of like lost her mind a little bit, and there's just comedy like, ha ha Yeah, it's ha, not so much a boarding black. house as it is a... Or something like that. It's, uh, it's where uh, other people are living. Kind of quote-unquote insane asylum for old spinsters, kind I of, I think. That. that could be possible, too. Yeah. And there's all there was also a, uh, a like walkthrough, I'm not sure if it was George or cotton that did it but a walkthrough of the abandoned empty amberson that would have been kind of cool to see that, that you get to see the kind of showing that all their fortune is gone and everything's kind of decaying yeah, okay but i guess there was also some other scenes that they cut out of, of uh, various Dance important stuff and yeah there was a sweet breakdance competition where cotton um, lays down some cardboard on the ground in the middle of the <laughs> ballroom scene and shows some sweet vin diesel moves the amberson's arcade room Mm-hmm. No, I actually kind of turned into the jerk there for a while. They have like a little disco room that everyone dances on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess so, the jerk is kind of retelling of the Magnificent Amberson. So the main character is a jerk, but actually kind of sympathetic and cute. Um, there, all I need is the, this paddle ball. We didn't talk about it, There's, but there's a scene that happens in the kitchen where Georgie's basically stuffing his face full of food eating while talking all, to For Fanny. real, the actor's actually really yeah. eating, not fake eating, and it goes on for like seven minutes. Yeah, and Fanny's there, and then the... the Fanny's brother comes in, the, the uncle comes in, and they tease her for a while, and she gets sad and runs away. And that was all improvised, apparently. Really? Okay. Well spent five days with the three characters, talking to them about their backstories and mm-hmm. telling them about themselves. And then he basically said, okay, sit down and make up a scene involving what's happening right now and, mm. and go. And I guess that whole scene was improvised. That's actually because that. like, you really don't need that scene. It's just kind of like, it, it's one of the first scenes that really cements the relationship between Georgie and um, Aunt Fanny. But 
it's funny because from a story perspective, you're not really learning anything that you couldn't already figure out anyway. It's one of the, it's, yeah. And so, there's so many, so much other stuff in the movie that there is missing connective tissue. It's funny yeah. that they kept that RKO because. And, and like I said, people, this happened, this movie came out in 1942, right after Pearl Harbor happened. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people wanted a happier movie. They didn't want to go to the theaters. Well, yeah, a lot of the car, yeah. a lot of this, like, cards that people filled out to talk about the movie were like I don't want to see anything sad right now I want to be the happy shit, yeah. I want to be happy I want to see want although to... we can't make fun of them considering like how well, our, our, our I want to see reaction. I want to see Mickey Rooney <laughs> I want to see Mickey Rooney dancing he's a short little guy and he's cute I want Mickey Rooney fuck Mickey Mouse you want Mickey Rooney uh, but that little moon faced bastard yeah so that's what led RKO to slice it up slicing it up so bad you can't fix that movie though because like I said when you've got that that rotten of a main character and the movie for in 19 yeah 1942 cost a million dollars to make and it only made 400k at the theater so it lost 600k well and this is kind of the doubt this is kind of the start of like Orson Welles well he considered it like them chopping up the movie and it getting such bad reviews to be like his downfall in Hollywood. Yeah, because like he considers the the edit that they did to be his downfall. But you know what? I honestly don't think this movie would have done well even if it. Had well, no, stayed. yeah, yeah, because it was it was like I said, like it, conceptually, it's already like again not a bad movie, but it was conceptually already guaranteed to be a non crowd pleaser to begin yeah. with, just by the basic. Uh, apparently, almost the whole movie had to be redubbed because the machinery that they used to like track the shots and, and follow people around yeah. in the movie was so noisy it got picked up on their microphones and they had to redub it for and it cost twenty five thousand dollars to redub oh, the whole movie. Oh God. You think they would and Well the, I guess that's Orson Welles kinda like because I'm gonna say because you think you could anticipate and kinda work around them. You know and I could see Orson and, Welles just being fuck it this will get the picture I want. We'll just spend that money later. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. And then they the, the no sets expense spared. The sets feel like an actual house because they kind of built it like an actual house. Yeah. It's not just facade, they're moving around inside that house. Yeah. yeah so it's and the just... the sets alone cost hundred and thirty seven K just to build those. And it's, Damn. it's yeah. like, and, and that is in 1942. That is a ton. It's of It's got a money. big cast. I mean, it's a, like you've got a ton of extras and stuff in there. I one of my from a technical perspective, one of the things I really liked is um, the snow scene again with the car and uh, when they're trying to dig the car out and everyone's getting on the car and Georgie has to push the car after the the horse carriage kind of falls over. Uh, obviously filmed in a studio or a meat locker or whatever you're saying but the shot ends on a great matte painting that actually really does make it look like they're outside oh, yeah, the, that, of the countryside and a big like tree covered in snow yeah, and just, I, like, I really like the like matte painting opening credits style yeah. of this and the, it's oh wait no I'm thinking Citizen Kane never mind but yeah, <laughs> well, that, well that's one of the few special effects kind of Citizen Kane kind of special effects in this movie and it's funny like again like format wise the kind of movie irked me a little bit it uh, does a little iris out Mm. Kind of like old timey, like silent film Iris out, which I guess it's supposed to be because it is like silent film era. That's when that scene is taking place. So I guess they were trying to do like old fashioned, like. But I was just like, what the fuck well, movie? Uh, yeah, old timey. It's like? weird. It ends because it ends with a voiceover of Orson Welles being like, "This was an Orson Welles film." <laughs> Oh yeah, just the actual credits. At such the end. and such was the cameraman. Such yeah. and such was the soundboard. I guess being like, in radio, oh, okay, you're already kind of used to doing that. Yeah. So I'm kind of. It's weird that he didn't do that in Citizen Kane, but he did it for this movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah the magnificent Ambersons 
don't bother watching Which it if you have it. Which is weird because I thought That's... this was a remake of The Seven Samurai. Oh, speaking of, so I was expecting like Cal- like Yul Brenner and shit to show up. Apparently, there's this... a three hour mini series. I don't remember what year it's from, but of Wells's writing script for this movie that they did a while back. Really? Just like straight up adaptation? Yeah, because I I looked up like trailers and stuff on YouTube, and there were apparently there was a remake of the Magnificent Ambersons. Hmm. And it probably did just as well as this thing. <laughs> exactly, for a movie that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Jesus. So, Bill, um, would you would you recommend people see this movie? I would recommend to see it for just for like his film history's sake, especially if the full cut of this movie is supposed to be as much of a cinematic holy grail as it's supposed to, as as everyone says it is. But yeah, I I would recommend seeing it just to see what you think about it, especially, you know, Orson Welles, it's his follow-up to Sidney's Kane, which everyone considers to be the best movie of all time. Just kind of curious, just to see what he did on his next stab and how it got mangled by the studio. And, again, I hate to say it, it's not a bad movie, but it is. It's a bad movie. It's a litmus test in terms of, like, your how your personality is going to react to, like, a movie with such a rotten main character. This, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bad movie. Um, I, don't, I don't think people, you're not going to get anything good out of it. I don't th- feel like... Or, if you want, watch it with the sound off. Yeah, watch it with just the sound, sound off. Look called. at the pretty pictures. Um, yeah, I just... Got any leftover notes? I'll look at my show thing? notes to see if there's anything, like, yeah, that, like, I, I wrote down that we didn't tackle yet. Uh, just mostly just... Um, one of my big... My big note that we didn't mention yet was... It's weird how both this and Citizen Kane... We'll get into Citizen Kane more next week. But both these movies are technically about rich white assholes. The rise and fall... Of those guys and getting their comeuppance, although Citizen Kane's story of its rich white asshole falling apart is much more organic, and you can see all the details where this is this guy's an asshole straight from the crib, and well, again with like you know, in Citizen Kane when the guy gets his comeuppance, you get to see the outfall the, the fallout from that and how he reacts to it. Where in this, he just kind of gets his comeuppance in the last like five minutes of the movie, and then the movie just kind of ends. Yeah, and it's kind of weird too because I've seen online. People insinuate that Joseph Cotton is now in love with Aunt Franny. Fanny. F- F- I don't even want to Franny say makes Fanny. it too Aunt much Franny. better. Aunt Fanny is that some people insinuate, like it sounds like uh, that may have been part of the RKO's change or the ending was also to kind of insinuate they kind of walk yeah, into the saw sunset together. And they literally do walk away together. They walk into the camera and that's the end of the movie. And that's kind of the insinuation for, like, it's not explicit. And that that shot also doesn't fit the, any of the rest of the movie because it's a brightly lit hallway. Yeah, exactly. Everything's yeah. nice. It's obvious they shot that later. And so without the, even the there. idea that he's like, well, my, my my one true love is dead, and I'm taking care of her son. Can I fuck you? <laughs> it's kind of like no, especially you just already show that she's cray cray. Yeah. It's just like no, 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 and he's the one good character of the whole movie. Just to think that like his consolation prize. Is to stick his dick in the sister, crazy sister of the woman he actually did love. While also letting her shithead son suckle at his car-shaped teat. Yeah, so... Oof. This was The Magnificent Ambersons. We're sorry if you watched it because of us. I can't believe we got an hour into this without saying a, eh, Ambersons joke, or... Not particularly magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't all, even it doesn't deserve that. We only have like we just started the podcast with one of two listeners, and so there's like and it's you and me. What are the chances? Yeah, I know exactly. What are the, <laughs> what are the, if there was actually two other people? What are the chances there are two people have either of them ever even seen or heard of this movie before? Not very likely. At least next with Citizen Kane, we can actually guarantee at least people have heard about the movie. 
even remember Well, at least that one you can get. Yeah! That one you can actually find in many places. And Yeah, so now in the future, we'll try to do stuff in the future on this podcast that is more easily accessible. Than, although, then again, this leads me to what I might be talking about next. Animaniacs? Which oh, is also... Animaniacs is very you widely known, it. and you can find it. You can find it on DVD? Can you find it Yeah, DVD? you can find it on DVD. Oh, okay. I think I'll be talking, I'll be tackling Animaniacs next time. So, well, that'll be in two weeks, so... I can already, I already started watching a little bit today, and I already could anticipate people are going to want to kill me, because... It's bound to happen sooner or later. I know, exactly, yeah. So, next week... I like Yoshi's Island, though. Yeah. So, let's put it this You've got... I've done two episodes myself. (laughs) I liked Yoshi's Island, didn't like many of the same versions. Hopefully, I'm just kind of like, eh? On Animaniacs, and then with the after that, I'll start over again and have I think, something I love. Yeah. So yeah. so next week will be Citizen Kane. So you've got a week to hunt it down and watch it if you haven't, and yeah. then probably disagree or agree with us on on what we think about it. I so. gotta watch so much Animaniacs because I gotta watch that shit because we record every two weeks. I gotta watch a lot of Animaniacs in the next two weeks. Which no problem. It's a cartoon. I love watching cartoons. Yeah. But yeah, I almost did Justified because I'm starting to watch that too. But I figured. Even if I, well, this is another debate we've had as, because I'm going to do Animaniacs. Do I have to watch all of Animaniacs before I can talk about it on the show? No. Because I can only watch, there's 65 episodes in the first season of Animaniacs. That's barely enough. I have barely enough time in two weeks to watch that first season, but I will come back. At least I will be. So long as you got a good chunk. I'll be flowing enough Animaniacs to be conversational. Basically, if you start on TV shows, if you start feeling burnt out on it and you're like, ugh, I can't, like, eating too much, too many sticks of butter. At some point, you're going to be like, I can't eat any more butter, yeah. or else I'm going to throw up. See, that's Don't thing. ingest so much that you want to throw up with TV shows. <sighs> yeah, and after that, I'm just going to do like a two-hour video game after that, so it's not... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so next week, Citizen Kane, and until then, keep filling those holes. No Orson Wells. Fill your holes. <laughs> Fill them with sticks of butter. Put them inside you. Narf. Narf. <laughs> Take care, guys.